Good morning. This is God's Word from 2 Corinthians 10, 7-13, 17 and 18. You are looking only on the surface of things. If anyone is confident that he belongs to Christ, he should consider again that we belong to Christ just as much as he. For even if I boast somewhat freely about the authority the Lord gave us for building you up rather than pulling you down, I will not be ashamed of it. I do not want to seem to be trying to frighten you with my letters. For some say, His letters are weighty and forceful, but in person he is unimpressive and his speaking amounts to nothing. Such people should realize that what we are in our letters when we are absent, we will be in our actions when we are present. We do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves. They are not wise. We, however will not boast beyond proper limits, but will confine our boasting to the field God has assigned to us, a field that reaches even to you. But let him boast, boast in the Lord, for it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one whom the Lord commends. Thank you, Forrest. Well, good morning. I thought this morning would be... A great day, a great morning, just to uh, share with you all of my accomplishments. <laughs> this uh, looks like a, a baseball trophy, but this award I received uh, for uh, Best Sermon, uh, July 2013, and uh, the committee told me and awarded me this uh, Best Sermon Award because... I just hit it out of the park. It was a home run sermon, and it was so incredible and powerful, impacted so many lives, and uh, changed people, and had the three points necessary for a sermon, and it was even under 30 minutes long. So, uh, one time, one time trophy. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. You know, let me, um, let me just real quick, uh, with that award, let me just get a selfie here, real Real quick, if I, could, if I could just just do that. Good, good. That's gonna be. I'll get that on Facebook for you. I also um, I also received this uh, presidential uh, certificate award that uh, apparently uh, Obama listens to my sermons occasionally and. Uh, he sent me this certificate because apparently I inspired him. There was a, a teaching, you probably remember, uh, Jesus the Healer. And I was speaking about the woman uh, of bleeding who touched the hem of Jesus. And uh, she was healed. And Obama said, no woman should be denied that access to healing. And uh, apparently uh, it inspired him. Nobody should be denied access to any sort of health and healing. This one I'm... I'm really proud of. This was uh, for best performance, theatrical performance of an Old Testament prophet uh, when I played the role of both Jonah and the whale. Uh, you probably remember that. Jonah. This one, uh, we, we get, uh, the committee gives all kinds of awards, and this one, 
This one was for uh, professionalism uh, in a sermon. And uh, this one was for uh, best recovery when having a zipper down behind a clear pulpit. Uh, (laughs) So if you remember that sermon, I was like, is that Jesus? And then I (laughs) took care of that. This uh, was given to me, and I'm proud of this. This was given to me uh, Easter Easter morning, and it was an award for uh, most people who came to Jesus Christ walking down the aisles before 10.30 a.m. on Easter morning, and most converts that happened that morning. And so I was given that award uh, for most who came to know Jesus, and Jesus, you're welcome for that. Yeah. And lastly, I would be remiss if... If this morning I didn't thank the Academy, <laughs> I'd be remiss of, of not thanking for all that they've done for me. You know, it's, it's incredibly challenging to be so incredibly, terribly good looking all the time. There's a real burden of that, but I'll carry that burden. <laughs> I just want to thank God. I want to thank God for all he's done in my life. No, I just got, I just got home. And, and I just want to thank God for creating me. Oh, thank God for creating me so I could bless you people with my greatness. And I, I just, I just amazed. So I just want to thank you and, and thank, thank you, thank you. Look, look, this, this one, this one, this one. Oh, such pontification. These were the self-inflated teachers during the time of Paul and Corinth boasting in all of their accomplishments. This is what Paul faced. Attack from these men in Corinth. And the, the problem was is that the church of Corinth was buying the lie. They were so enamored with these incredible preachers that were so full of awards. And they were loving their popularity. They were loving the Corinthian church, loving being connected to these super apostles. And they started to despise Paul because the only trophy that he held up was the cross. Humbled before the cross, yet empowered because of the resurrection and life of Jesus, bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ to all who would listen. And the Corinthians would say, oh, that's so nice, but it's just not as shiny as my trophies. Paul, you're so unimpressive in your life. And I think Paul would say, you know what? I will continue to live an unimpressive life as long as I please the Lord because his view of me is all that matters. Let's pray. Father, I just pray this morning that through your word that you would teach us what we're striving after what we're looking for, what we're boasting in. And Father, I pray through the power of the Holy Spirit that you would minister to us and that you would draw us close to yourself. That anything that we boast about is about you and all that you have done for us and your life given to us so that we might have life. And so, Father, take these unimpressive lives and may they be used to glorify you in your precious name. Amen. This morning I want to look at two things. Uh, One is, I want to look at what's happening with the church. How can we discern between authentic 
ministry, authentic shepherds, pastors, who are truly living in new covenant, which is their adequacy is from Christ alone, dependent on the power of the Holy Spirit, how can we discern between authentic ministry and those who are depending on the flesh? And I want us to evaluate, all of us, what is it that we're drawn to and why? So that's one area I want us to look at this morning. The other is I want us to evaluate and I want us to understand what God has called for us in our ministry, you and me, that we are all ministers of Jesus Christ. It's not just those who are up front. We're all ministers of Jesus Christ. We're his servants. And he's using our lives to minister to others. And so we want to ask, what is that supposed to look like? How do we, in our, in our faith and in our following of Jesus Christ, how do we live out authentic ministry to our Lord? Well, let's take a look at what's happening with Paul. In verse 7, he's being attacked by those folks who are boasting about themselves. And he says in verse 7, you're looking only on the surface of things. You're looking only at the outward You're enamored with the glitz, the outward appearance, the big show. You love all the trophies and being connected with people who carry them. They were saying about Paul these lies. Paul was self-appointed. He's not one of the original 12. On the road to Damascus, that was just a made-up story. Never really had that experience with God. He's a moral coward. Fights like a big dog, but his letters... In his letters, but he's weak in person. He taught a frightening type of freedom that set believers free from any of the rules that they had to follow, any obligations. Here was a big one they were saying about Paul. He didn't make any money. Therefore, that must have meant the churches didn't support him. That meant he had no value. Only the preachers who made lots of money were of any worth. And they mocked him. They mocked his appearance and his speech. Paul was so unimpressive. There's early writings that date back to the year 200 that speak of the actual appearance of Paul. And it says this. He was a man of small stature. He had a bald head and crooked legs. He was in a good state of body, but he had eyebrows that met in the middle. Good old unibrow. And he had a nose that was somewhat hooked. Hardly the magnetic good looks of a preacher. Calvin said this, Since Paul excelled in none of these endowments which ordinarily win praise or reputation among the children of this world, he was despised as one of the common herd. And so they continued to attack. And Paul is digging in hey, let's look under the surface of what authentic ministry looks like, authentic shepherds as they're leading the people. And one of the marks is is that they are in Christ. If anyone is confident that he belongs to Christ, he should consider again that we belong to Christ just as he. We are in Christ. Paul is saying, you claim to be in Christ. Just look at yourselves. You may not be mighty in outward appearance. 
And yet you belong to Jesus. Well, so do we. You see, none of us want to be judged by outward appearance. We want people to to know our hearts. We want people to understand us. Yet the Corinthians wouldn't even grant Paul what they want for themselves. He's saying, take a look under the surface of what's going on with these super apostles who are glorying in themselves. And we're still focused on the outward. You know, department stores know this, that we're so focused on the outward. And maybe you've seen this in certain department stores when you walk into the dressing room in the mirror there, there'll there'll be a sticker and it'll say, objects in this mirror are larger than the actual size. So that when you go in and, and you think you're overweight, you're like, oh, it's the object in the mirror is a little bigger. The department stores know that. They're going to play to our egos. No, we want you to look as skinny as you can. So these mirrors aren't telling you the truth. Authentic mark is that they are in Christ. You know, there's so many out there that preach about Jesus, tell a lot of good stories about him, talk about him ad nauseum, about them as, as Lord and Savior. There's lots of hype. But it's all about personal glory. They're gaining a lot of money from their ministry. And the question is, are they in Christ? I was reminded as I was studying this these last several weeks is, is of a ministry by a guy named Mike Warnke. Many, many years ago when I was a youth pastor and even in, in the high school, Mike Warnke was, was this really famous uh, comedian and he was also uh, a preacher. And here was the claims of Mike Warnke. Mike Warnke said, oh, my former life, I was a satanic priest. And I did all of these just bizarre rituals and and was really immersed in the occult. And then God delivered me out of that. And his whole ministry was on that foundation and wrote all kinds of books speaking about his ministry and talked to thousands and thousands and thousands of people. whole thing was a lie. Made it all up. Christianity Today uncovered all of it. He never was part of that. And he was a wife abuser, and he was just he was embezzling money. I mean, it was just a sham. Authentic ministry are those who are truly in Christ. And we should start to discern and look. Again, everybody loved the show that Mike Warnke put on. There was a lot of hype. There was big rock and roll music. So popular. Are they in Christ? Look at verse 8. Even if I boast somewhat freely about the authority, and, and Paul didn't even like to talk about this, but they were struggling with his authority. Even if I boast freely about the authority that the Lord gave us, that's where it came from, by the way, it is for building you up rather than pulling you down. One of the marks of authentic ministry, of authentic shepherds, is that they, they come into your life for the building up of the saints, for the, for the edif- edification of the saints. To help you to, to know Christ more, to challenge you in areas that you're struggling. The scriptures say the Lord disciplines those he loves. And sometimes he uses shepherds to do that because we want to build you up. We want you to draw nearer to Jesus. Not to us, to Jesus. We want you to know him more. We want to strengthen you in your walk. That's authentic marks, 
not to tear you down, to bring truth and love, not to make you feel guilt and shame. You see, I think the leaders in the Corinthian church were starting to tear down through false theology. I think they were tearing down in ways where they were trying to draw the Corinthians back into legalism. Hey, you're not following all the rules. God doesn't love you. You're not part of him. You're not a follower of Jesus Christ. Here, guilt, 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 shame, shame, shame. And drawing them back into legalism, and Christ came to set all that free. That you're a new covenant, new relationship with Jesus Christ. He paid the price for everything. And so now we live in him. Authentic ministry builds up. And Paul's not ashamed of how he approaches the Corinthians. Yeah, you know, they say he's weak. They say that his letters are strong. It's like, hey, God gave me this ministry unto you. And I'm not ashamed of how that looks. Because I'm coming to build you up. And you should know that. The third mark that we see of the shepherd is, I think, found in verse 11 of an authentic shepherd. Look at this. Such people should realize that we are in our letters. When we are absent, we will be in our actions when we are present. One of the the marks of shepherds is that they are men and women of integrity. That what you see up front or what you see in letters and writings, same thing you get up front as when I'm with you. Uh, Same thing when we're together. It's not just putting on a show up here. That our life is, is connected with you about building up the body of Christ. That they're men and women of integrity. You know, one of the, one of the cool things about, about being a pastor here for a long time, you know, Jackson's been a pastor here for 21 years. I've been a pastor here for 20. And so we get the privilege of teaching in the pulpit. But I hope, I would hope, that in all these years, you guys know that, that what you see is what you get. I hope you, you recognize that we're, we're as messy as you are, and you're as messy as us. And if you don't know that or want to know us more to understand who we are, then just take us out for a cup of coffee. Let's get to know each other. But this is it, you know? It's very unimpressive. (laughs) And that's the way Paul is saying. It's what you get. I'm not trying to put on a show for you. I'm one who's coming to build you up and to edify you in Christ. I'm one that, that cares about your life. Wayne Jacobson, who's a pastor, said, Spiritual authority flows not from titles and positions, but from a life that is genuine. And he goes on. Look at verse 12. We do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves when they measure themselves by themselves and they compare themselves with themselves. Oh, you're such an incredible speaker. Yes, you are too. They are not wise. They're fools. Real shepherds living in New Covenant ministry are not comparing one unto another. How do we measure? You know, I think this is a challenge for for all of us just living in today's culture. We're always comparing because we're so drawn to the outward. And I I just want to tell you guys something. Here's something I know to be true. You know, Jackson and I are the primary teachers of, of the church. But... Here's the deal. There's some of you who really are drawn to Jackson and the way he teaches and the way he studies the Word and how he presents it. 
And then some of you are drawn to me and the way I do the word and teach it. And, and you start to compare. You start to compare. And, and I just want to guard you against comparing. We, we just tend to do that. And like, oh, he does this better. He does that better. He looks better in that suit or that tie. You know, whatever. We just compare. And it's, it's nothing but divisive and destructive. And they were doing it in the church in Corinth. Hey, I'm of Apollos. I'm of Paul. I'm of this guy. He's better. He's doing that better. Let's follow him. I want connection with that person. And that there's a comparison going on. What's happening, and Paul is speaking to, is not only just comparison one unto the other, but that the comparison was happening just amongst themselves. It's, it's like two pigs rolling around the mud, and they come out looking at each other, and they, hey, you're looking good. There was no real measurement. The comparison was foolish. It wasn't wise. They weren't comparing unto God and what that looks like. And Paul is not trying to look like those powerful, eloquent Corinthian preachers. You know who David Wise is? David Wise is a young man, 23 years old, who won an Olympic gold in the Olympics in the halfpipe scheme. And there was all kinds of articles written about David Wise. But let me give you the heading of the articles. The heading is this. David Wise's alternative lifestyle leads to Olympic gold. David Wise's alternative lifestyle leads to Olympic gold. So you're left with a question. Well, what's the alternative lifestyle? What does that look like? Was he pan-gendered? Is he polygamous? Is he dwelling in some commune, eating just raw food? I mean, what is it that's alternative about him? And here's what it was. Here's his alternative lifestyle. Are you ready? He's married. He's married. He has a two-year-old daughter. He doesn't party. He works out at the gym. He's a committed follower of Jesus Christ. He attends church regularly. Says one day, maybe I could be a pastor. Hemingway, who reviewed this article, she says this. She says, isn't it fascinating that NBC views a man taking care of his wife and a daughter as an alternative lifestyle? And if it's any indication of media's view of normalcy, our society is pretty much doomed. David Wise is uncool. He has an alternative lifestyle. And so the comparison's being made between all the snowboarders who are so cool. But David Wise's life is about pleasing God and God alone. Not only does he get a gold medal in the Olympics, but trust me, he's going to get that crown in the kingdom of God. Who are we trying to please? What are we trying to show off? What are we drawn to? The cool? Got to be cool. Paul goes on, verse 13, genuine marks of authentic ministry. And here's what he says in 13. We, however, will not boast beyond proper limits, but we will confine our boasting to the field that God has assigned to us, a field that reaches even unto you. Authentic ministry is God-ordained ministry. It's not me coming up here and telling you 
how lucky you are to get me as your preacher. I am a self-appointed preacher unto you, straight from God. Now, it's God-ordained and God-blessed and surrounded by the wisdom of the counsel of wise men and women to bring in a shepherd. Be careful of those who are self-proclaimed prophets, preachers. He says, we were given a God-ordained ministry, and it was purposeful. It's God who gives us the ministry. Jesus said, listen, you didn't choose me, dear saints, dear disciples. I chose you, and I appointed you. I placed you where you needed to be. Paul's saying, it's Jesus who's the head of the body, and it's his business to set people in the body where he wants them. And he's given us a ministry, and he's given us this idea that there's limits into what he's called us to. The, the Corinthians would have understood this. I think it, it's speaking to the, the Isthmian games, the great, they're almost like Olympics, almost as big. But in the games, in the track and field, there, in the track, there was lanes that you were assigned to. And I think he's referring to that image. God has given us a ministry. He's given us a lane to run in. It has limits. This is what he's called us to. I'm not running in a lane that's some other ministry, and I'm not trying to take advantage or boast in that ministry going on. I'm not trying to take over someone's ministry. God has given me this lane right here. And part of that ministry, dear Corinthians, is you guys. It reaches unto you. God has called me to minister to you. That's why I have to talk about my authority. And you know it full well because I was amongst you. And I was building you up. And you came to know Jesus because of our ministry in your midst. I ran in my lane. He has set those areas of ministry. A mark of authentic ministry is that we are living out a God-appointed ministry, running in the lane that God has called us not trying to take boasts and claims for all that others are doing in the ministry. And so he speaks to that. Godly authority has a sphere. And it's important for the godly shepherd to live under that authority. To live under authority. Those who are living in the flesh don't live under authority at all. They set the authority. And they will listen to nobody. And so we guard ourselves against that. Another mark, the sixth mark that I see, comes out of verse 16. What does authentic ministry look like? Those who are living in new covenant, bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Verse 16 says this. Listen, as your faith is growing, we, we wanted your faith to continue to grow, verse 16, so that we can preach the gospel in the regions beyond you. We have a desire that you would hold on to our apostleship and our authority, you'll continue to grow in Jesus Christ because we believe that God has given us a lane not only to minister to you, but to go out and bring the gospel to those who need to know the love of Jesus Christ. And we're spending an awful lot of time trying to fix all the brokenness in this Corinthian church. Authentic ministry has a desire that the gospel of Jesus Christ, the fact that he died on the cross, that he rose again, and as we believe upon him, we should have life, that that gets out there. That we're not just developing a club here in this church, but we're moving each other towards Jesus. That we're equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. 
And then the final one, and I think the most important mark, comes out of verse 17. Look at this. Let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. For it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one whom the Lord commands. And so the question is, who are we trying to please? What are we trying to live for? He who glories or boasts, let him glory in the Lord. Paul uses a quotation out of Jeremiah chapter 9. Let me give you the context of that because you understand Paul's heart and what he's trying to get at. And he's challenging the Corinthians. Jeremiah 9 says this, Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might. Nor the rich man glory in his riches. This is key. Let him who glories glory in this. Let him boast in this. Listen to this very carefully. That he understands and that he knows me, says the Lord God Almighty. That he understands and that he knows me. Exercising loving kindness. This is the kind of Lord I am. And I exercise judgment and righteousness in the earth. For in these I delight, says the Lord. The Corinthian church was glorying in their wisdom. Remember, it was, a, it was a culture of wisdom. They were glorying in their might, their power, their beauty, their riches, instead of glorying in the Lord and living out unimpressive lives where God took these broken pots and his all-surpassing glory shone through. The great thing about glorying in the Lord is that we can always do it. No one is so high that they can't glory in the Lord. And no one is so low that they cannot boast in the Lord. We all can glory in the Lord. For he who commends himself is approved, but whom the Lord commends. I can sit up here all day and talk about my accomplishments. Some of you will be drawn to that. I want to hang with that guy who's done so much. And we commend ourselves. And Paul says, ah, oh, it's about being commended by God. Paul wanted the respect of the Corinthians, but he wanted it for their own sake, not for his. He wanted them to, to respond to all that God was bringing to them. That they were hurting and, and their spiritual growth was hurting. And that they needed to, to know the love of Jesus and to live out in obedience towards Christ. Yet they were being so drawn to all of the glamour and all of the glitz and all of the eloquence that came from up front. And they were missing glory in the Lord. And they were looking for affirmation by being connected to these pontificating pastors. And Paul's saying, may our lives be unimpressive to the world, yet absolutely pleasing to God. That's the first area I want us to think about. As we, as we evaluate and discern godly, authentic ministry, new covenant ministry, we need to be discerning people. What are you drawn to? Why? Is God being glorified? Is God being glorified? The other area I wanted to remind you of is that area of what does our ministry look like? What does is, what is authentic ministry of the saints look like? Living out in the new covenant. 
Galatians 2.20 says, It is I who no longer live, but Christ who lives in me. The reminder is, we're all servants of Jesus Christ. I'm not living out by my own power. He's living through me. He wants to use our lives to bring forth the love of Jesus Christ. I think sometimes we forget that. It's not just about the pastor. Our work is to equip the saints. That's our work. To edify you, to build you up, to teach you so that you might go and love others. To equip the saints so that they might minister. Remember, Corinthians 12 was all about, listen, we're like a physical body. We're all necessary. Some of us are the thumb, some of us are the eye, some of us are the head, the mouth, the big toe. Everything is valuable. And so are you, dear saints. Every one of you who is in Christ is a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're to live out new covenant ministry in our brokenness, in our weakness, but we're to live it out. And what does it look like for us? I wanted to focus specifically on verse 13. And I wanted to read it for you out of the ESV because I think, I think it's a, a good statement. It says, We will only boast in regard to... This is the difference between the NIV. We will boast only in regard to the area of influence that God has assigned us to the area of influence that God has assigned us. He's he's set this track out for us, these lanes. It's an area of influence, and we're only going to boast in that. We're only going to allow God to use our lives and Him be glorified in this area of influence. And so the question is, what is that area of influence that God has for you? I want you today, when you go to lunch with each other, is to ask each other that question. Where do you think God has you running? What is the area of influence that you think he's placed you into? Because here's what's true, Ephesians 2.10, that God has prepared in advance good works, ministry, running down this lane, God has prepared in advance good works for you to what? To step into. God's doing all the work. He's asking you to run the race as followers of Jesus Christ, living a new covenant in the brokenness of our messy sin and letting God be glorified through our lives. What ministry is God placing you? What area of influence does he have for you? Because here's the deal, gang. Most of us, most of us, live unimpressive lives. The world looks at us and is like, eh, we're not, we're not out flying the jets, you know, our, our, our G5. You know, we're not all glamored up. We're not being, you know, flown from place to place because we're public speakers who are just so amazing that people need to hear from us. Most of us live pretty unimpressive lives to the world, but not unto God, whom we desire to please. God has different eyes for us. He has an area of influence for us. Most of you are familiar, I'm sure, with Jeremiah Lamphere. You know Jeremiah? Not familiar with that name? Nobody really was. He lived in the time during 1850, he lived in New York City. Jeremiah Lamphere had a heart for New York City because it was a time of depression. There was job, jobless lines that just went around the block. There was hurting. There was a lot of alcoholism. 
businessmen were just hurting all over the place. And God gave him a heart for those men. And so one day he thought, how can I reach, how can I care for these men who are so hurting at the time? And so he thought, you know what? I'm going to put up these flyers around town and just saying, hey, come have a free lunch on me. There had been some churches that had given him some money to, to do a little ministry in town. Come have a free lunch. So he put them out. About a week went by. Nobody showed up. Then one day, a guy shows up. And they just sit and have soup together, get to know each other. Jeremiah Lamphere just ministers to him, cares about him. He says, hey, invite your friends. They were doing it once a week. Next week, 10 came. Next week, 40 came. The next week, 100 came. Then the 100 men said, listen, let's do this daily. Let's have lunch and let's be in prayer daily. The Fulton Street Revival, it came known as, in New York City. And so men were coming from all over the place. Literally, they had to get new warehouses because thousands and thousands of men were coming just to have lunch and just to pray. And then no popular speakers were invited to this thing. No big pastors. Men who were part of that gathering would just stand up and share their testimony of how God changed their life through Jeremiah Lamphere, who had soup with them. And then what happened is that the men started to telegraph literally all around the nation all that was happening in the Fulton Street Revival, telling of the good works of God. They can't put an exact number, but they say more than a million men, businessmen, came to know the love of Jesus Christ through one guy who nobody really knows, Jeremiah Lamphere, because he wanted to have soup and care for men. Most of us live a pretty unimpressive life. But to God, it's oh so beautiful because it's a life that's lived not to commend ourselves and to get glory in ourselves, but a life that is meant to please God. What is the area of influence that God has for you? Are you a mom at home with those wonderful kids? Maybe it's in your college classes. Maybe just one person that God's called you next to. Share a lunch together. We did a baptism, first service. The thing that was cool about that baptism is is the woman who was baptized got to know Becky Rogers at, at a yoga class. She was, what was the name of the woman baptized? Peggy Nelson? Peggy Nelson. Peggy Nelson was, was part of the Mormon church and, and didn't know the love of Jesus for her and, and living in the freedom of Christ. Becky just befriended her. Becky has a pretty unimpressive life like the rest of us, just taking yoga class. But God placed her in that area of influence and now we have a new child of Christ just because Becky loved her up and baptized in Jesus. What's the area that God has for you? Living out our unimpressive lives so that God is glorified. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for your word this morning, and I thank you. I thank you, Father, that you love us. I thank you that you desire to, to work in us. And Father, forgive us when we're so drawn to the outward and that we think that that's what life's all about, all the beauty and all the shine and gloss. Help us to look underneath and what's authentic. And in our own lives, Father, may we live authentic Christian lives, obedient to you, 
not trying to promote ourselves, but that you would be glorified. In our worship, Lord Jesus, may you be glorified. Amen.